Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Reading this morning is from Luke chapter 19. Start in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We want to step into the story of Zacchaeus this morning, which is probably a familiar one to most of us in the room. If not, that's okay, but it's, it's, it's probably a familiar one and one whose point seems, you know, fairly clear, right? You could, one could hardly do better than Jesus's sort of summary statement at the end. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So some of you have been around here long enough. You might remember like, uh, it's probably back uh, in the fall of last year, we picked this verse up for like a family service. All the kids were together. We, we had some fun with Waldo, as you may recall. And we sat with this verse, the son of man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. Right? That's you and, and me, right, is, is where we went there. But, but again, you know, you, one could hardly do better than Jesus' summary statement, which is a little ironic because I'm about to try for the next few minutes in a sermon. Uh, that's not true. It will not be any better. But here's what I do hope we could do is maybe blow the dust off the story a little bit and um, maybe maybe hear it uh, differently or uh, freshly. I I think so there there was a tie-in to categories because I I think when I read this story, it it feels like our time with Jesus on the road and Luke, it feels like he's just rolling the dice and and just kind of like playing with all the categories of life, right? Like we like categories, we like clean lines, we we like to sort of know what goes where, and Jesus seems to repeatedly sort of be playing fast and loose with those rules. And this story, I I think, uh, does the same Thing. So as you listen to Tyler read it, maybe you go back and look at it this week. Uh, I, I, I do think it's worth noting, as you read the story, look for contrasts in the story. Uh, uh, whether it's linguistically, the language, or some themes, it's, it's full of some tensions here. But as a way into it, as we think about the story in this way, I just want to ask a couple of questions uh, of you. I think it asks a couple of questions of, of us. And the first one is, well, what do we, what do we make of Zacchaeus? Right, you hear the story, you know the story. What, what do you make of Zacchaeus? I think uh, most of us make a cute little kid song of Zacchaeus, right? This is the moment I've been dreading all week when I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go for it and sing it in front of you. <laughs> you're, like, no, don't, somebody, you're like, please don't. You guys know, right? Zacchaeus was a, right, and a, right. I even got the tune on this side of the room. That's nice, right? Like, we, we, right, we, 
this is the first move. What do we make of Zacchaeus? Well, we make a cute little, like, memorable kid song, which is great. Helps us remember the story, right? But uh, I, I do wonder, like, uh, does it pull us into uh, the, the story this morning? I, I think right from the get-go, uh, it's worth noting the descriptions of Zacchaeus. Like, what do we do with Zacchaeus? Right from the get-go, uh, when he's introduced to us, He's described, I think, first of all, we get his name, Zacchaeus, which most agree is an indication uh, Jewish of the people of Israel, uh, most likely, right? So we, we get his name. But then we learn that he's a ruler. He's a, a chief, a ruler among tax collectors. So he's, he's a tax collector, which we've already seen as sort of a universally despised category then and maybe now. I don't know. But, uh, right, like he, he, he uh, is a tax collector. Uh, he's rich. We learn he's wealthy. Not, like this is delineated for us in that first, ver- in the first couple of verses, verse two, and then a few verses later, we learn that uh, at least another category he has put in is he's a sinner, right? He's he's a sinner. So, so if we think about sort of what do we make of Zacchaeus through the lens of like a game of categories, right? We're given all these categories, and uh, I think we could draw all sorts of conclusions for them. In fact. If you've been walking with Jesus with us along the road of Luke's gospel, I think this moment is challenging for us. If we'd just been given one category, I think we'd know what to do with it, right? We'd be like, okay, um, you know, he's uh, he's uh, he's rich. Okay, he's rich. Well, we know what that means. He's he's obviously out. Right? Jesus is just, we've, we've seen the rich young ruler. He's just talked about how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. He's rich, category, got it, he's out. But, but then we read, well, well uh, you know, he's, he's a tax collector. Well, well, Jesus is eating with tax collectors. He's hanging out with them. He's welcoming them into the kingdom. We're like, well, well, well maybe he's in, right? He's in. He's a tax collector. He's, he's in. But then, you know, we learn that he's a ruler, right? He has some authority. Well, from the beginning of the story, Right? Way back in the beginning, the Christmas story, like Mary is told Jesus is going to be the one who sort of flips all that. Rulers will be brought low. The lowly will be elevated. So Zacchaeus is out. He's obviously out, right? Like uh, he's, he's a ruler. No, he's, he's out. But then, but then we, we read he's a sinner. Like, okay. Right? Jesus is eating with sinners. I got it. He's in. Right? So what, what do you make of Zacchaeus? What, what do we make of Zacchaeus? It's almost intentional, right? Like, as we've moved along the story, we hit this moment where we, we meet someone who is all these things. What, what do we do with them? What do we do with them? I, I, I think it's a question worth sitting with, right? What, what do we make? Zacchaeus, even in the story, we celebrate other things about him. We learn that he's a seeker, right? We use the, the word seeker. He, he is seeking to see who Jesus was. Laudable commendable, right? He's pursuing Jesus. There is some interest. And so we celebrate that aspect and we look for it uh, in others, right? He doesn't just want to see Jesus. He wants to know, sort of see who he is, make sense. Maybe he's heard something. I, you know, we don't know the context, but he, 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 he wants to see. He's a secret to the extent that, right, culturally does this, you know, what's probably a shameful thing. When's the last time you climbed a tree in a public park, right? As a grown man or woman, probably not recently, right? Like uh, runs ahead uh, as, you know, even though he's maybe sort of infamously uh, a ruler, right? Uh, Regardless of his reputation, he does enjoy some sort of clout as a ruler and even financially. And here he is like shimmying up a tree 
to see Jesus. There is the understanding that there would have been some shame sort of involved in this activity, but it doesn't matter. He's, he's pursuing Jesus, and so we celebrate this, right? Like, throw all that stuff off. Seek Jesus. Then you get to the end of the story, right? The end of the story. Should we sing the song to get there? I'll, we'll just talk about it. Right, he, he, he uh, responds to Jesus. He welcomes us, you know, he comes into his home and, and he responds and we read this moment where he, you know, look, I'm, you know, I'm giving uh, away, I'm repaying for a fold if I've defrauded anyone. That he's, he's, he's a recovering tax collector, right? He, he, he's a reformed tax collector and we want to celebrate that. Like, look at this moment of change and so we celebrate it. Jesus says of him that he is a true son of of Abraham. Whatever you do with all those other categories, this guy, right? Even with all those things, this guy, a true son of Abraham, it, which is an interesting title because he's literally fleecing the sons of Abraham, his brothers and sisters, right, to line the pockets of himself and the Roman oppressors, right? He's not a son of Abraham. He's a traitor, right? He, 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 he is the son who has squandered the inheritance, and yet Jesus says, like, this guy is a son of Abraham. We, we, we want to celebrate this as well, right? Zacchaeus caught up in systems of injustice and economic inequality, right, contributing to them, an important cog in that wheel in his context. And, and now he's, he's changing that, right? He's, he's changing the narrative. He's participating in sort of unraveling these systems that are broken uh, in his sort of uh, small but perhaps influential way. Interestingly, that uh, what, what we do with Zacchaeus, right, in this moment, he, you know, he's a reforming uh, tax collector. He, he, it's, notice what he doesn't say. Like, Jesus comes to his house, and he's like, look, Jesus, I'm praying and fasting and tithing, things that have been celebrated and named in the previous stories of Luke's gospel, 19, 18, 17, right? Like, look, this is my righteousness. What does Zacchaeus say? No, I, I'm giving to the poor. Repaying, right? I, I am making repair of the things that I have contributed and, and breaking, right? Like, uh, it, it, again, it's just an interesting move. You, you know, tax collectors show up way at the beginning of the story. John the Baptist in the desert. They come to him and they're like, well, what do we do? He doesn't say quit being tax collectors. Interestingly, he's like, well, just don't like participate in those injustices, right? Don't collect more than you are authorized to do. And here in this moment, Jesus says, a true son of Abraham, restoring him to the community of God's people. We celebrate these things. Like, what do we do with Zacchaeus? I don't know what we do with all the different labels and categories that seem to perhaps confuse us a little bit as we sit with the story uh, to this moment. Or we celebrate, man, he was a, uh, a seeker, right? He was pursuing Jesus to the point of his own shame, perhaps. And it's praiseworthy. Or we think, look at his reform, and we champion his reform, and we, we, we strive for it ourselves or call it out of others. Or we just make him a kid's song, right? <laughs> right? Let's just make it a fun kid's song. We can remember the story. What do we, what do you and I make of Zacchaeus? This is the first question. I think it's a safe bet that uh, the answer to that question is, is significantly shaped by the answer to the next question, which is what do we make of Jesus? Right, so as we sit with the story uh, in Luke's gospel, what, what, what do we make of Jesus in this moment? Well, my first observation is uh, he seems a little forward, right? 
Like, uh, like culturally, at least in our moment, like you don't just invite yourself over to someone's house for dinner, like in a first conversation, right? Particularly not if they're up a tree. I have other questions for you, right? Like if I find you in a tree, but uh, right. But so, you know, by, by our standards, like first meeting, he's like, I'm coming to your house, right? So, you know, I don't know. You can do what you want with that category. He's the son of God. So maybe there's some license there. Um, but uh, I think the narrative context of the story helps us uh, maybe make sense of uh, Jesus in this moment, right? This is a, this is a climax. It's, it's not the climax, right? Like, obviously, that is, is coming. Uh, the, what's next is Jerusalem, uh, the cross, the resurrection. This is, we'll, we'll call it a penultimate moment, right? Not, not the moment that Jesus has set his face toward, but really the last thing he will do. He will tell a parable, which we may look at next week. This is the last thing he'll do before he enters the events of Holy Week, and yet, right, yet, uh, the, the, the text tells us that he stops, makes time for this guy, Zacchaeus, who we don't know what to do with any more than the people of his own day, right, like we, he stops and says it is necessary, almost like, uh, almost like it's, it's divinely sort of uh, ordained, right, this is a divine necessity that I stop and I talk to you. This tells us something about Jesus. I think what it tells us is where we finish, right? We, we, you know, Zacchaeus is the seeker, yes, but, well, wait, no, this story, what do we make of Jesus? Well, it looks like, actually, he is the seeker. He's the pursuer in the story. We think it's Zacchaeus, and we applaud his efforts, but, but we get to the end, and we realize, well, wait a second. Jesus is sort of tipping his hand here. He is the one in pursuit, Not just that he's the pursuer, right, the seeker, but Jesus tells us that, like, you know, what do we make of Jesus in this passage? He's also, like, I don't know, salvation, to use the word from the passage, which is probably a good place to start, right? Like, he is joy and life and hope, right, in, in this moment. He, he, he says, right, like, uh, it's an interesting parallel. Verse 5, you know, he sees him in the tree. Hey, why don't you come on down? I must come to your house today. And then at the end, he makes the declaration, today, salvation has come to your house. And there's a parallelism there that, that the salvation he's talking about is me, he says, Right? Uh, salvation, life, hope, joy have come to your house today. What do we make of Jesus? Maybe he's a little forward, you know, work on his manners, I don't know. Uh, he's clearly like a pursuer. He is the one, right? This is a, a divine moment, not some sort of random orchestration of Zacchaeus' effort, right? This is a result of Jesus' pursuit. It is necessary, he says. And, and he's salvation. He is life and hope to whatever those categories, whatever we make of Zacchaeus. But I think, I think we see something else about Jesus, which this is not a surprise. It was as true then, uh, it's as true now, I think, as it was then. He's divisive, right? He's, he's divisive. Um, you see it, right? Maybe another question to consider for you and me this morning. Like, what do we make of the crowd? What do we make of all the people who are along for the ride on this sort of uh, significant moment in the life of Jesus? This is beautiful. Beautiful is probably the wrong word. Tragic might be better. Verses 6 and 7. Zacchaeus comes down out of the tree. He hurries down, comes down, and receives him, Jesus, joyfully. Verse 7. And when they saw it, they all, they all 
grumbled. Grumbled. Any Shaun the Sheep fans in the house? No? You're like, what are you talking about, right? Shaun the Sheep, you know, it's of the like same studios that do like Wallace and Gromit, right? So it's that style of, it's, it's worth your time. Kids are no, I love it. I'd still watch it. My kids roll their eyes, you know, they never go for it. I'm like, hey, let's watch something together. How about Shaun the Sheep? Eh, right? Like uh, they, they, they do what this passage says, they grumble, <laughs> right? But the, the character, there's a farmer, there's no words, it's just like sounds, but much of his um, uh, dialogue, for lack of a better word, is just, he's just grumbling, right? It's what I hear when I read this passage, right? Zacchaeus comes down, receives Jesus joyfully, and everyone around him is, right, grumbling. Like there's a sound to it. It's abrasive. It's, it's uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's like, it's kind of like scratching in the background. Like there, there is a tension in the passage. When, when we read it this way, right, we've come from joyfully. I mean, we, we feel it. We're caught up in the moment. Zacchaeus is coming home to Jesus. And then we hear like this like abrasive shift to grumbling. It's a sharp contrast, and it's not the first time we've seen it in and around the person of Jesus. I just want to sort of stress again what, what, you know, what's happening here, right? I do think sometimes when we make it a song, when we reduce Zacchaeus to a song, right, uh, we live in the space that says he's, you know, uh, a wee little man, right? Like, uh, and, and when we do that, I think sometimes it sort of lets us off the hook because it diminishes the role of the crowd, right? We're like, he can't see Jesus because he's short, Right? It's just a thing he's got to overcome, so he'll go, get around the crowd, and then he'll say, Jesus, but that is not, I don't think that's what's happening here. The crowd is keeping him from Jesus. In the context of the story, we bumped into it over and over and over and over again. Yes, he's short, but they're like, you don't belong here, and they are a barrier between Zacchaeus and Jesus. And when we reduce it to, a, you know, just an issue of height, well, we kind of let ourselves off the hook, and we sort of jump right over the role of the crowd in this story. I mean, remember, again, like uh, the moments we have had, right? A crowd sort of coming between Zacchaeus and Jesus. It places Zacchaeus in a long line of people we've seen in chapter 18 who are on the outside. A widow, right? A widow seeking assistance, Jesus tells a parable. A, a, a tax collector, Right, praying in the temple on the outside. There's no way he's going home justified. All right, uh, uh, children. Right, Jesus' own disciples, sort of like, well, let's keep the children away. Right, or even uh, last week, uh, Joel shared with us the story of the blind beggar. The crowd actively saying no. Right, like you, you just pipe down. And now this moment, Zacchaeus, right, seeking to see Jesus, and once again the crowd in the way, grumbling, making it harder for him. Again, I think sometimes the focus on his stature is to soften the, the indictment in the story, perhaps. Again, these are just a, a few examples, not the only ones, of this tension between joy and grumbling and where we might fall in that story around Jesus. One, one scholar had, or writer sorry, made this observation of this moment, uh, which is a, a playful turn of phrase. This is grumbling in the face of grace that we see over and over and over again the story of Jesus. We, we bumped into it. Tyler uh, pulled us into it a few weeks ago as we sat with Luke 15 and the story of the prodigal son and the lost sheep and the lost coin. You guys remember the, the theme. He, he pulled us into that theme, right? What, what started it all was religious leaders were grumbling 
because Jesus was with sinners. But then the theme of all of those stories was joy. And we felt the tension again where Jesus says there's life and joy and change all around him is grumbling in the face of grace. The only difference, I think, between that story and this one is, well, there it was, you know, religious, religious leaders, legal experts, but here it's everyone. The crowd around Jesus has become less defined. He's spoken to disciples. He's spoken to Pharisees, just onlookers, and they're all sort of like caught up in this group at this moment in the narrative. There's no clear, it's not like, oh, we can apply this to someone else. It's just all the people around Jesus uh, res- responding with a bit of tension. What do we do with the crowd? Again, just to stress, let's appreciate what's happening here, all right? The climax in the story. This is the last thing Jesus will do in Luke's narrative before he steps into the events of the cross in Holy Week. A last act. He spent 10 chapters in Luke's narrative, right, speaking to disciples and Pharisees, anyone who would listen, uh, speaking to them about the questions and the issues of status and membership among the people of God trying to help them see it's not what you think. And yet here we are, here at the end of all things, Lord of the Rings nod for some of you fans out there, right? At this moment, the last thing he will do before he steps into the cross with Zacchaeus, and what do we find? Everyone's still grumbling. It's hard to hear, I think. What do we make of the crowd? When my kids were smaller, we had a CD of music to help them learn, like, I don't know, manners. But one of the songs was literally, if you don't have any manners, walk the plank. Right? It was like all pirate songs. right? I, I know you're like, we'll pray for you and your family. right? But uh, you picture like pirate talk around the table, you know. Uh, but, but there's a sense in which you feel that from the crowd, right? Like, no Zacchaeus, walk the, the plank. Right? You, you do not deserve to be close. Which brings us, I think, to one more question, the most important question in the passage, as I will present it to you this morning. The good news uh, is that the good news isn't wrapped up in those previous questions, not what you make of Zacchaeus, uh, not what even we make of Jesus in this story, not what we make of the crowd. The good news of the gospel for you and me is that the most important question is what does Jesus make of you? What does he make of us? What does this story tell us? Right, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost, of which, thank God, he counts us. Right, the, the, the question that we're drawn into this morning, as Jesus pulls the rug out from under all the sort of category games we want to play, right? Zacchaeus doesn't fit any of them cleanly. And Jesus is pulling the rug out from under all that as he draws us into a new question. Pay attention to what I make of you. I think we hear stories like this, and, and, and we're prone to make a couple of moves. We read a story like Zacchaeus. Again, go back. I encourage you. It's really familiar. Go back and read it. Look for, like, contrast, the, 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 even just the language of up and down, up and down, up and down, right? He climbs up, she, he comes down, looks down, come down, right? Like, uh, it's just an interesting sort of uh, way into the story because we're obsessed with up, 
right? We want, we, we're obsessed with the, the, we want to be up front, we want to be up top, all, all that kind of stuff. And here, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear the language in this story. I think, I think that pull in us, we typically respond to a story like this in a couple of ways. And one thing I think we do culturally for sure is, well, we say no one's a sinner, right? Like if, if we're going to work on categories, we're going to work with categories, the, 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 the one move is just to say no one's a sinner. We're all okay. Let's just dispense with the category altogether. That clearly doesn't hold in the story. Like whatever we make of Zacchaeus or uh, uh, Jesus or the crowd, like it doesn't hold. There's judgment here. There's indictment. There's change. There's hope, right? Like this is one move, but I don't think it works in the story. The other move that maybe strikes a little closer to home for us is to keep the category, but to say, okay, you're a sinner, but I'm okay. You're, you're a sinner. That's what, that's what the crowd does, right? You're a sinner, but, but I'm okay. We'll keep the category. We'll just narrow it and focus it and aim it at someone else, right? Which is obviously in the passage not the move that is made here, which leaves us, I think, with another option, right? The, 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 the gospel-filled option here where Jesus, I think, because of his reaction to Zacchaeus, draws us into the question, uh, what does he make of us? Which moves us, I think, the, the only other place to land is to say, well, we're all sinners. None of us are okay. Right? Not to say none of us are sinners, we're all okay, or and you're a sinner and I'm, I'm okay. No, Jesus uh, pulls Zacchaeus down and in, in this moment draws us into the events that will come and says, well, we're all sinners. None of us are okay apart from my work, he says, on your behalf. Man, it's, it's the move we've seen over and over and over and over and over again in Luke and over and over and over and over and over again. We want to roll the dice, draw the category lines. You're a sinner. I'm okay. No one's a sinner. We want to play all these games. And Jesus says, just let me help you understand whether you're the brother who followed all the rules or the brother who squandered the inheritance. We are all sinners in need of a savior. It's a move here. If I could use the language of the passage, it's as if Jesus says, man, you are all shamefully climbing up your own trees. Why, why, why? You're all further out on a limb than you either care to admit or are able to see. And to all of us, Jesus says, in this moment, on his way to Jerusalem, on the cusp, right? I mean, he is, he is right on the cusp of the cross and all that will follow in Jerusalem. And in this moment, he looks up and he says, hey, hey, why don't you come on down out of that tree and leave the tree climbing to me? looks at you and all that you carry, all the limbs you're sort of white-knuckled gripping on in your life to show that you're enough or that you're worth it or like this is my righteousness and this is why I'm better than that guy and why I deserve to be close. All all the effort you're expending to get up the top of that tree, Jesus says, buddy, why don't you just come on down out of that tree and leave the climbing to me. You just come on down. Let's eat together. I know the joy of the good news that I am the one who saves. I'm the one who brings salvation. You don't have to play those category games anymore. You don't have to spend all that effort and energy to maintain your own sort of lines and definitions. Jesus says, you're a sinner, but that's okay because I'm here to save you. I think sometimes we get caught up 
and uh, these other avenues into the story. But what we're invited into, invited to hear in this moment, is that the central question of the gospel is what does Jesus make of you? And my hope is that every time you come into Park City, uh, hear the gospel spoken to and for and over you in this place is that you are a sinner. But Jesus Christ saves, meets you, looks up into the tree and says, come on down, leave the climbing to me. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.